Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to dedicate another episode to anxiety. Anxiety is a beast. It really is. It's such a difficult, uncomfortable emotion. It's really a challenging thing to live with on a daily basis. And more and more people are struggling with anxiety and more and more kids are struggling with anxiety. So I want to give you some strategies that you can integrate into your lives every day that will help you to regulate and integrate anxiety. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Clary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So I know I've done episodes on anxiety before, so I'm going to do a quick recap on what anxiety is and what it isn't. So the first thing you need to understand about anxiety is that it's incredibly necessary. It's a very important emotion. It is not a bad thing. It gets a bad rap anxiety and people talk about wanting to get rid of anxiety and stop anxiety. And if, uh, you know, if you think about it to an anxious person, if you tell them you want to get rid of their anxiety, you're going to give them more anxiety. So the first thing you need to understand is that anxiety is healthy and normal, and we need a certain amount of it to function and we wouldn't be alive without it. So for example, if you don't have anxiety, you're gonna cross the street without looking. You're gonna eat disgusting moldy food from your fridge. You're going to tell your boss to shut up. You're, you're, you need a certain amount of anxiety to actually be motivated and make good choices. It's when that anxiety becomes, um, too intense. And when that anxiety is not fully integrated into who you are as a person and how you function on a daily basis. So that's the first thing to know about anxiety. The second thing is, is that it really is self-preservatory. It wants to save you. It wants to keep you alive. And it's connected to some very ancient programming, primal programming that is stored in all of our DNA, which is basically a giant USB stick where Lots of memories of our own, but also our our um, relatives, our ancestors, and it's basically primal information from thousands and thousands of years. And we're basically conscious, intelligent, uh, spiritual beings stuck in monkey bodies. And so that ancient programming around survival, your village being attacked, your food being stolen for the winter, um, all of those things that we have had to deal with um, over thousands of years are etched into our security system in our brain. Because that part of our brain really only is interested in safety and security, it doesn't understand anything else. It also doesn't understand time and it doesn't understand if something is actually happening. You're worried that it's happening. You're remembering it or you're imagining it. It's all the same thing to the midbrain. The job of the frontal lobe, that's the part of the brain right behind your eyes. That's the most uh, sophisticated part of the brain. It takes the longest to develop. That part of the brain's job is to decide what's real, what's really happening. Is that a real fear? Is that an imagined fear? Is this really happening or am I remembering it? Uh, Am I scared about this and I was okay the last time? It's also the part of the brain that takes perspective and mitigates emotion and organizes and plans Um, It's a very sophisticated part of the brain and it works in balance with, and when it's well integrated, um, it works pretty well with the security system in the brain, with the more anxious part of your brain. 
and they, that part of the brain kind of um, regulates and inhibits the other part of the brain from taking over. However, if there is a perceived emergency, if you're breathing really fast, if you tense up, if there's a loud noise, if there's a bang, if there's something uh, that alerts your brain to the fact that there could be danger, then the midbrain can actually override the frontal lobe. A little bit like water boiling on a stove. The water's boiling, it's a nice rolling boil. You take it off for a second, it instantly stops boiling. When you put it back, it instantly starts boiling. Anxiety is a little bit like that. So when there's been um, either a period of time where you've been elevated, where you've been really what's called limbically charged, or something's happened in your life that's been really upsetting, it'll take a while for your brain to cool that down. And there's a very good evolutionary reason for that. If something scary has happened, your brain wants to keep you on alert for quite a while after to make sure that thing doesn't come back and eat you, to make sure that thing is really gone, or to make sure that a village attack is actually over. So there's a period of time where your brain, based on pure survival, keeps you elevated and keeps you ready in case that danger comes back. So there are certain things that you can do to calm yourself down. And what happens also in our lives is that we are in such a constant state of stress. We're in such a constant state of crisis that we never actually cool down. So let me give you a couple of really important strategies today that I think will help you. One is I want you to think of sort of fear-based thoughts and intrusive thoughts. So these are any thoughts that start with what if. Any thought that starts with what if is an anxious thought. What if this happens? What if that happens? When you're anxious, you're inserting yourself into the future. When you're sad or depressed, you're inserting yourself in the past. Where you have the most power and where most of your freedom and happiness lies is in the moment, is in the now. So having said that, I want you to think of thoughts that are all what if based. So what if this happens? What if my child doesn't do this? What if I look like an idiot when I talk to my friends? Whatever fear has inserted itself into the situation, starts to, it, that starts to light up the limbic system. The limbic system does not know it's a bad conversation you had with your kid's teacher or with your boss or with your child and a saber-toothed tiger that was about to leap at you. It does not, it's not discerning. It doesn't care. It's just going to assume that it's something dangerous. And if you had a physiological reaction to it, it's going to assume you are in danger it's going to set um, adrenaline and cortisol running in your body. Your stomach's going to start turning. You're going to start breathing fast. Your chest is going to constrict. Your muscles are going to constrict. Your, you know, you're going to actually tense up your jaw and change your breathing. Um, one of the things that um, has kept us alive for thousands of years, if we were hiding from, from a, you know, a, an invader or an animal that was chasing us, we would not sit in this in our hiding spot going, "Whoo, that was a close one." we would hide like this, breathing with the top part of our lungs, being very quiet and silent um, and not making any noise. So that is one of the reasons why when we get stressed, we tense up and why we feel an intense pressure in our chest because we're not actually breathing properly because we're trying to breathe quietly so we don't get attacked. So having said all that, what can you do when you have a fear-based thought? The very first thing that you can do, which is incredibly helpful, is relax your tongue. Drop your tongue in the bottom of your mouth, just let it go soft. And as soon as you do that, you'll see that your stomach starts to relax and let go. It's a signal to the brain, if your tongue is relaxed, you're not tightening up your core, that you actually must not be in imminent danger. 
Second thing is a very deep sigh breath. We're taught when we're anxious to take a nice big breath in and that's fine, but I prefer, and I think physiologically it's better to take a big breath out first. So like a, that's called a sigh signal. And that sends a signal to the brain that you can actually calm down. And that's what we do when we're relieved. We, we thought we lost something, we found it, or we you know, couldn't find our kid for a second in the mall, there they are. Phew, oh, right? It's that sigh breath. So drop your tongue and a sigh breath. Then you can do what's called box breathing. So you just, and you can do it to whatever count you want, count of four, count of six, in, in breath for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, breathe in for four seconds, and just imagine this kind of lovely box. That's bringing your brain uh, into a sense that you are no longer in danger. And if I'm breathing slowly, then I must be okay. So those th three things first. Now, the next thing you have to do is you have to thank your anxiety. I know this sounds crazy, but trust me, uh, emotions are information. It's your brain trying to tell you something. And if you ignore it, it's going to send the signal again. So if you had a friend and you had a life, uh, uh, you know, really important, you know, life-threatening piece of information that you had to give them that's going to save their life and they need to hear it, you're going to text them or call them. If they don't answer, you're going to call them again. If they don't answer, you're going to go, you're going to go to their house. You're going to knock on the door. You're going to pound on the door. You're going to call 911. You're going to do whatever you can to get that message delivered. It is exactly the same thing with your brain. So if you don't stop and turn around and listen to the message, it is going to continuously send you the message. How do you listen to the message? Hand on your heart, breathe out and thank your anxiety. Thank you, anxiety. Thank you for all of this amazing work you do. You're powerful. You're strong. You're always looking out for me. You're always on the lookout for danger. Love you for that. Thank you. But this is not actually an emergency. There's nothing life-threatening here. It's just a talk that I have to give or a bill that I didn't pay or whatever it is. You thank your anxiety first. You acknowledge it first. You metabolize it a little bit first and let yourself feel it. Stick with it for a second. Emotions come in waves. So you just kind of let yourself feel it. Just when it's at the crest, it will let it, it will let you go. So sit with it for a moment. And here's the final thing that I want to teach you today. I want you to think of those fear-based thoughts as error code. So I don't know a ton about computers, but I know that if you're entering code and you make a mistake, it's going to replicate that code. That is what a fear-based what-if thought does. It just replicates the code, right? So you end up having more what-if thoughts in there. They join up to other what-if thoughts. And then before you know it, you're a complete wreck. So after you've done all the first steps, the next step is to just take a second and go, oh, that is error code. I don't want to repeat that error code. Um, you've already thanked your anxiety for having it. And then what you do is you overwrite it with something that's based in love because love and fear are really the two main emotions that we have, right? So everything else, you know, anger and jealousy and cheating and lying and obsessions and all of those things are really just fear-based. So you have to actually switch over, which uses a very different part of your brain, which also releases oxytocin. And oxytocin is a very powerful chemical that actually blocks cortisol, which is why I'm suggesting this. And you do some overwriting with love. So you think about, I don't know, I love how much my brain wants to take care of me. 
And I love that this is my biggest problem today. If my biggest problem is worrying about, I don't know, a talk that I have to give or, you know, something that I haven't finished or, you know, my bank account, um, that means that there aren't bigger life-threatening things that I'm actually worrying about. Um, and here's the thing, if you do have big things, like if there's someone very, very ill in your family, this is, that's a different technique. I'm talking about sort of um, nagging, just anxiety that just kind of natters at you and bothers you all day and, you know, that won't release you. Um, and that's a different conversation. So this is really kind of for that kind of everyday nattering kind of anxiety. So going back to that, you're going to actually write code and force your brain to think about neutral things, pleasant things, happy things. Sometimes it's a bit too big of a jump to sort of start thinking about all the things you're grateful for. Sometimes your brain won't let you do that because it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? That's way too far of a leap from where I actually am right now. So you just think about smaller things, neutral things, little things, or I don't know, let's say, let's say what you're anxious about is a, a difficult conversation you have to have later in the day with I don't know, your child's teacher or, or a parent or something. Um, you basically find a dialogue in your head that's love-based. I love that that teacher shows up every day and she may not go about it in the best way, but she obviously cares that my child is not learning or not being their best self in the classroom. Whatever it is, you have to find a way to kind of flip it, find the polar opposite and find a way to identify some love-based um, thoughts or um, descriptions of the event. Now, here's the tricky part. In order for this really to work, you can't just say these things. You actually have to try and tune in and really feel those things. As soon as you do that, you're going to flip from an, from an adrenaline-based response in your brain to an oxytocin-based response in your brain. And you're going to be starting to have a very different interaction with the kinds of thoughts that you're having in that moment. So as you're having the oxytocin-based conversations in your head and you're trying to think about love and you know that teacher or that person really cares about their place in the world and they fight hard for what they believe in and I don't love how it made me feel, but I love how much they how much passion they have, find something like that. That will actually flip the switch in your brain and help you to start rewriting a different code. Now you can find ways with your child to help them do this too. You can walk them through in a really simple way, this strategy that I just taught you, and you can do it with them. So you can go through all of the different steps with them. You can also give them hugs, like nice chest to chest hugs really, really help. And really helping your child to understand that anxiety is a part of us. It's not about getting rid of the anxiety. It's about integrating the anxiety so that it's more balanced because it's definitely something that we need. We just don't need it taking over our lives. So if you want any more information on Connected Parenting, please go to connectedparenting.com. Um, we've got all kinds of services there for you. We have one-on-one -on -one coaches and therapists that can help you with your anxiety or help your child with anxiety. Um, we help you with parenting, anything from bedtime to sibling issues to anger, aggression. Um, we've got, I've got my books. We've got the Connected Parenting Village, which is a great resource for people. I have my other podcast, which is the mental health comedy podcast, where we interview um, entertainers and comedians. 
about their mental health. And that's very strategy-based. Um, so we have lots of ways that we try to help support you on your parenting journey. And I will look forward to seeing you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.